0: Go with me, if you would, into Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 13 to f- 14 of the principal verses, but we're going to read uh, from uh, the first verse in Ch- Colossians chapter 1, and whilst you are looking uh, that up, um, you know, this is one of Paul's letters to the church at Colossae, and Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and, and Colossae was in what is now southern Turkey. Uh, the region would have been Phrygia. And uh, Paul writes to them to correct, if you like, and to encourage them and strengthen them against what was, in effect, false teachers, people with a religious spirit, people that were saying, if you are a believer, this is what you need to do. It's not just enough to follow Jesus and know Jesus, but you need to add all these other things on as well. So Paul was writing to them to correct some of this religious Spirit that was at work. And his emphasis in this particular epistle was that Jesus is Lord over all, that he, Jesus is Lord over all wisdom, all philosophy, all ideas, and Lord over all traditions. And so he also reminds them that as that they are a chosen people, and in john fifteen six we 're reminded that you Jesus says this that you did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide abide and so Paul was reminding them that they actually what they need to do is leave behind their old life, maybe something of what Brad was talking about this morning and myself. Leave behind your old life, our old lives, and begin to put on the new man. Leave behind the old man, begin to put on the new man. Leave behind the old self and begin to walk and live in the new self. Live in a way that is God-honoring and so paul writes this letter in the hope that it will correct some of the, and deal with some of those religious attitudes and spirit that people have so i'll read it from the from the first the greeting from the beginning and we'll read through to verse 14 it says paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in christ at colossae grace to you and peace from god our father And increasing That's great to know, isn't it? The gospel is still bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Sins. And this morning's message is very simply called From Darkness to Light. And those of you that were at the prayer meetings uh, Friday morning will know that right at the end of the meeting, I just felt the Lord impress on me something, uh, a word about darkness and light. And in that moment, I, I just felt that that's what the Lord wanted me to speak about so this is is fresh bread in that you know before Friday I hadn't got this message but in faith I believe that this is a word for the the assembly for you right now and it's appropriate that it is fresh bread because in Jewish tradition when we come to the word they don't look at it the way we do they don't read the word they engage with the word in fact they they talk about feasting feeding on the word And so this morning, you know, we're not just sitting idly by, but allow our spirits to engage with the word and what God wants to say by his spirit this morning. And right in the very beginning, when we read in Genesis 1-3, right at the very beginning of the word, we read that when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke and light came into existence, God, by His word, by the word of His power, spoke, and light came into existence again, personally, personally, I believe that that word spoke is there for our benefit, so that we can understand what has hap- what happened. I believe that God literally just has to think God you know it 's a thought, and things come into being just because of the nature of who He is, but it says that He spoke, and light came into existence. Again, elsewhere in scripture, it tells us that God is light. It reminds us in 1 John 1 verse 5. And light is a very common metaphor, a very common picture that is used all through scripture. In Proverbs 4.18, it symbolizes righteousness as the morning sun. And so, again, there is the the analogy or the the picture of light, of righteousness being like light. Again, in Philippians 2.15, it likens God's children uh, to those who are blameless and innocent or pure, and that's you, that's me, That's anyone who calls Jesus Lord, anyone who calls himself a disciple of the Lord. It likens us to those who are blameless and innocent. And more than that, it says that we are to be lights in the world. And so you, I, uh, we are lights in this world of darkness. And it is a world of increasing darkness Jesus himself used light to describe good works. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When I was preparing this, I almost stopped let your light shine before others but I realize that that does not give a a full picture because it's not about letting our light shine before others so that people look at us and say how great we are how wonderful we are but we are called to let our light shine in front and be evident to others why so that God gets the glory it's not about us And so, you know, we, we let our light shine to give God the glory. Again, in Matthew 5, um, in Psalm 76, verse 4, it says of God that he, that you are radiant with light. And so we know that light in the kingdom of God is important. The fact that God is light by default sets up, a natural contrast to darkness. We cannot talk about light without immediately thinking of the darkness. And if light is a metaphor for righteousness and purity, then it stands to reason that darkness signifies evil and sin. And darkness signifies all those things that are contrary or against God. In 1 John one six, it says... If we, say, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know, the thing about darkness is this. I don't know whether any of you have been in absolute darkness. I mean, when we at night in, in the town or the city, that isn't darkness. We have ambient light from the streetlights and things around us. But for those of you who have been in absolute total darkness, you will know this one thing. That when you are in absolute total darkness, you have no reference point. When you are in absolute total darkness, you, you can't even see your hand you know, a, a centimeter away from your face. It is just total darkness, total absence of light. And without light, we have no reference point. Without light, if we were suspended, we'd have no idea which way is up, which way is down, whether we we face in front, forward, or what. There is no reference when we are in total darkness. And verse 5 of this same chapter in Colossians says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You see again you will know that light that darkness does not exist of itself darkness is simply the absence of light darkness does not cannot exist of itself it's simply the absence of light and it says that god is light and in him is no darkness at all, and understanding that it makes sense. If God is light, then how can darkness coexist with Him? He drives out the darkness. Darkness cannot stand in His presence. And as children of God, we are called to walk in that light, walk in the light of God, allowing God's truth to illuminate every aspect of our lives. I wonder how many of us have still got dark corners uh, of our lives. Like, again, on, on Wednesday, when we were talking about, when we were in our small group, we were imagining for a moment our lives being like a house with different rooms. And we were asked to imagine um, which rooms don't we allow Jesus in? Which rooms are off-limit? To Jesus, and likewise, if we imagine our lives as a house, and that's not too far out, because the Scripture talks about us being like a tent, being like a temple. So, if we imagine ourselves, our lives being like a house, then the question is this: What are the dark areas of our lives? Where are those areas in our lives that we are refusing to let the light of Jesus? shine. And there is a reason for that, because we know that when we allow the light of the Spirit, the light of Christ Jesus, to illuminate those dark areas, it might just, well, it not, it, it's not that it might, it will probably show us something that we're not ready to see, something that we're not ready to deal with. And the Bible tells us that God himself is complete light. God is like the message is that god is completely unreservedly absolutely holy with there is there's no mingling of sin no taint of iniquity no hint of injustice god is completely good can you imagine that that god is completely good and again you know that word good really falls shy in describing the character and the nature of god God is good. It seems totally inadequate, doesn't it? And yet, I can't find another word, but God is good. Totally, absolutely good. There is not a hint of darkness or iniquity in him. And let's remind ourselves what that word iniquity means. You know, we can talk about, we can talk about sin, and sin is those things that we, we, we do uh, in our lives, those one-off things that we do on a regular basis. But iniquity are those things that we regularly repeat. Iniquity are those things that we regularly go back to. So we know they are wrong, but yet we find ourselves doing those things through habit. That's what iniquity talks about, the things that we regularly go back to, even though we know that it doesn't glorify God and it doesn't bring him um, honor. So God is light. Darkness, the absent of God's presence, represents and talks about an ignorance. It talks about a spiritual blindness in our lives, And we've said already that darkness is just simply the absence of light. And so if we use that and and think about it in terms of who God is, to have darkness in our lives, to walk in darkness, is to be ignorant, to be uninformed, to be uh, absent of the working of the presence of God in our own lives. To walk in darkness is to allow the forces, the powers, the principalities, those things that seek to destroy, seek to bring us down, seek to deceive us, seek to separate us from God. To walk in darkness is to allow all those things to have um, effect in our life. And the Apostle Paul warns us in Ephesians 6.12, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Um, It's against the powers and principalities, against spiritual um, spiritual forces and darkness. That's where the battle lies. There are powers and principalities that are at work in this world. And as disciples, we must be aware of the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. We need to be aware of it because we unless we are aware of it, um, how can we stand firm in the authority of Christ and the word of his power? And Paul, again, speaking about death in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he says this, Paul says this to the Thessalonian church, and they were going through a time of persecution. They thought they were living in the last days, just like us. Uh, They were under great persecution, and so, so Paul wrote to encourage them. And Paul said this about, and he was speaking about people who had died, um, either natural causes or through uh, um, persecution or, or martyrdom. And Paul says this, he said to the Thessalonians that he does not want us to be ignorant. That is, he doesn't want us to be uninformed, not knowing. And likewise, I want to say to you that That we need to be a people who understand that there are powers and principalities that are working against us. We don't go looking for them. We don't go looking for demons under every stone. Please don't don't do that. But we need to be aware that there are powers and principalities. There are uh, powers of darkness that are actively working against us. Do not be Ignorant, do not be uninformed about these things. But even though there is, there is, we have an enemy. Even though there are things working against us, God has not left us alone. He has not left us floundering around in the world, wondering what we should do. He has not left us defenseless in our battle against the darkness. You see, when Jesus returned to our Father in heaven, he promised what? He promised to send someone. He promised to send Holy Spirit, the one who would comfort us, the one who would be a help, the one who would do for us and enable us to do what we cannot do of ourselves. And we see that on the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit descended on those early believers, and, they, and it manifested um, he manifested himself as tongues of fire, empowering, enabling them to become the bearers of god's light, enabling them to live the Jesus life, enabling them to be the carriers of light, enabling them to be those who let their light shine before men so that God might be glorified. And as disciples, as first and foremost, as disciples, I was going to say Pentecostals, but that's irrelevant. First and foremost, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we happen to be Pentecostal in nature. But as disciples, we believe absolutely, totally in the transformative power of Holy Spirit. We believe that that he is the one who effects transformation in the lives of everyone. He, We believe that he's the one who makes us what we cannot be of ourselves, what we cannot do for ourselves. He's the one who indwells us, guides us, convinces us, convicts us, authorizes us, legitimizes us as those, as who walk in the light, as those belonging to God. Holy Spirit is the one who does that in us, with us, and through us. And when we allow him to work in us, the darkness that is so ready to overwhelm us is exposed. Those things that are not quite right in our lives are brought into the light of Christ And the light of Christ begins to illuminate those things. And one of the things that I have learned is this, that when the light of Christ illuminates an area of our lives, it's because we are ready to deal with it. It's because he is enabling us to deal with it. God never shows us something unless he equips us to deal with it. He doesn't show us something and just let it sit in the corner. Um you know maybe again using the analogy of a of a house you know we may have a corner somewhere in the house that maybe needs cleaning and the dub, dust webs and the cobwebs are building up and we can see them in the corner but they're going to stay there as long as we do nothing with them jesus does not do that when Jesus, when the light of Christ illuminates our life, when the light of Christ reveals something in our lives that we've not yet dealt with, he reveals it because we are at a place where he has prepared us, equipped us, and made us ready to be able to deal with it. And so it's a lie. It is a lie. It's an ungodly truth when we say, I can't do it. Because if God has shown it to you, it's because he wants us to deal with it. And we're not dealing with it alone by ourselves. We're dealing dealing with that issue in the power and with the enabling of Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 4.6, it says this, For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has come in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus the Christ You see, the Spirit is the one who equips us to overcome sin. The Spirit is the one who equips us to overcome fear and anxiety. The the Spirit is the one who equips us to break down, to tear down those spiritual strongholds that would otherwise enslave us. Can we do it? No, we can't of ourselves, but absolutely with the enabling and empowering of Holy Spirit, because he's the one who has equipped us. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, again, we've read a couple of verses, but it says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. If we we are those who have built our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, The word tells us that he raises us up, that he sets us high above our enemies. We are as those beacons that are set high above a city that cannot be hidden. Uh, We are those that can be seen at distance. And it says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As as disciples of Jesus, we are called to be those who are bold witnesses of Christ. Not those who are hiding away, but we are called to be fearless, courageous, unashamed disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to be those who spread the light of Christ and the hope of Christ to those around us. To those who are engulfed in darkness and we only have to look around and there are many many people who are still captive to darkness through our words and actions and the manifestation of the spiritual gifts in us that the spirit graces us with remember he's the one who graces us with those gifts we in turn can then point others, show others, point others to the love of God, to the hope and the salvation that is only found in Jesus. We're not looking to draw people to ourselves like light, like um, fireflies or like mosquitoes to a light. We are looking to be lights that point and show others Jesus it's all about Jesus. We've sung it this morning. It's all about you. We're called to be the ones that release Holy Spirit because he's the one who brings illumination and revelation into our lives. Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the truth about Jesus. None of us came to the conclusion that Jesus is who he says he is of our own thinking. We came to that conclusion because of Holy Spirit bringing the revelation and bringing the confirmation, the affirmation as to who Jesus is. Holy Spirit is the one who sets men free. He's the one who brings guidance and direction, the one who leads us when we're uncertain. He's the one who brings us out of the darkness Friends, we are called to be those who live in the light, to be people of the light. So, again, let me ask you: is there, what are the areas of darkness in your life, in our lives, that that Jesus just longs to illuminate? Those areas of our life that Jesus just longs to shine his light on. I don't know about you, but I love I love light. I'm one of those light freaks. If if there's a torch, if there's a really good torch, I see a real, I have to hold back, not buying it, because I love a really powerful torch. You know, in the darkness, and you can and it goes a long way, and you can see it cutting through the darkness. We are called to be like that, lights in a world of darkness. And so, as people of the light. Let's cultivate a fresh rhythm of asking on a daily basis for fresh anointing of Holy Spirit. We need fresh anointing on a daily basis. And so why not let's cultivate a daily rhythm of asking Holy Spirit for fresh anointing that we might be those who burn bright as we abide in his word, we're guided Uh, by his truth. And as we read his word, the light of Christ begins to radiate from us. Listen, when we abide in the word, we can't control, we can't hold back. People just see the light and the life of Christ in us when we saturate ourselves, when we abide in his word. Let's be people of agents of transformation in the places that we go. Let's be agents of transformation in our communities, in our families, in our homes, in our places of work because we radiate the light of Christ. And let Holy Spirit continue to lead us into all truth and revelation as he seeks to bring us closer into the likeness of Christ Jesus. That's what Holy Spirit is doing. He is changing us, transforming us, bringing us closer to the likeness of Jesus. And let's be those who live out our lives boldly with our eyes fixed on him. Our eyes fixed on him. I love the image um, of a young child uh, standing in front of a, uh, a TV screen. Maybe it's 50 inch, or 55 inch, or 60 inch, it doesn't matter. It's big enough anyway. But I love the image of a child standing in front of a TV screen. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, they won't sit in the chair. They walk right up to the screen and they stand about two centimeters away from the screen watching the TV screen. And it's this idea of having Jesus filling our vision, filling everything that we see in order that we might be those who let our light shine so that people might see the good works in us. And remember, that's not good works of ourselves. That's good works as Holy Spirit enables us to do them. And give glory to God, our Father, who is in heaven. People, church, we are called to be children of light. God has set us free, translated us, moved us from the kingdom of darkness into his glorious kingdom of light. And there he has called us to reside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God.